When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we talk to the new owner of Ugly Dog Hunting Company, Mike Nadusky. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 241. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you to Patreon patrons of the Birdshot Podcast, those of you out there making voluntary contributions in support of the show to keep these conversations coming your way. Patrons of the show are eligible for bonus content, some Patreon giveaways, and we send everybody some Birdshot Podcast can coolers and stickers as a thank you as well. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. All right, today on the show, we are joined by return guest Mike Nadusky, who happens to be the new owner of Ugly Dog Hunting Company, uglydoghunting.com, your hunting supply company. It will be a new advertising partner on the Birdshot Podcast. And with that in effect, I thought it would be a great time to reconnect with Mike, catch up a bit, have him update us on all things Ugly Dog Hunting, as well as mix in some hunting reports and preview, and even a little de-skunking conversation. Stay tuned for that. Check out uglydoghunting.com for all your hunting and dog supply needs. And one more quick update from another one of our partners on the show, Onyx Hunt, and our friends 
at Pheasants Forever. If you're going to be in South Dakota next week, depending on when you're listening to this, Thursday, October 12th, and you're going to be in the Sioux Falls area, you're going to want to be at Remedy Brewing Company in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Thursday, October 12th, 5.30 p.m. for the season opener party with Onyx Hunt, Pheasants Forever, and the Flush Podcast, Travis Frank and friends. They are going to be at Remedy Brewing Company for happy hour giveaways, a live podcast with Travis Frank on the Flush Podcast, and what sounds to be a darn good time ahead of the South Dakota pheasant opener just a couple of days later. So talked to Ben Bredigan earlier this week. He will be there in South Dakota next week and wanted me to mention it on the show. If you are going to be in Sioux Falls, South Dakota next week, Thursday, October 12th, look up Remedy Brewing Company and join Onyx Hunt, Pheasants Forever, and the Flush Podcast for happy hour and the season opener kickoff. All right, on with our episode today. Let's welcome into the conversation and back to the Birdshot Podcast, Mike Nadeski. Well, our guest today on the Birdshot Podcast is Michael Nadeski. Man, it's good to have you back. It's been a while. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It has been a minute. We were on a, a, like a yearly rotation there for a, for a little while, and we, we got off. But I'm trying to remember, is this, is this three or four? Uh, I Gosh, think it's three. That's a, good, that's a good question. We'll have to, I'll have to check on that. But I hope, I, I hope that our little gap in, in the timeline here, you don't take offense to that. It was not intentional that you didn't get called back as an <laughs> annual guest or anything like that. <laughs> well, that's, no, no, not at all. You know, life. Life yeah, gets in the way. Yeah, indeed. And there's uh there's lots of lots of people to chat with in the Upland world and but I do love I do love reconnecting with guests that have been on the show before. It's always fun to kinda catch up and see what's been going on between the last time we, we chatted and you and I have chatted a bit recently. You got some developments and some pretty cool things that will be of interest to the listeners. We're gonna get into some of that today, but man, it's hunting season. Like what what's on your mind right now? It is. Well I'm uh packing my truck and going up north later today on a friday as you uh, should be i love it <laughs> exactly you know um a little concerned about the warm weather this weekend but at the yeah. same time it's hunting season and we only have so much time to go so we'll uh we'll head north and figure it out as we go yeah yeah in the intro to the episode that went up this morning uh, this will be like a week later but i was commenting how this time of year and i, I will say i think the my my annual prairie trip has played into this along with a lot of other things having two little kids and my youngest or my oldest is in kindergarten and just lots of there's lots of reasons why i am less interested in spending as much time as humanly possible in the september rough grouse woods but it's mm-hmm. it's tough mentally because the urge to hunt is high the season is open and it's like you've got that mm-hmm. hunt drive right like i want to go but the condition you get out there and there's bugs and you're reminded of all the things about september mm-hmm. rough grouse hunting but that said everything is kind of uh we're tuning up you know we're we're getting in yeah. the groove and i i can feel like a little bit of clunkiness to my routine where it's like mm-hmm. i know come mid-october and in november like i will be we will be a well-oiled machine the dogs and i like with our system and our gear and everything so now i feel like i'm unloading the truck and then i'm moving car seats around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff just to sort of get in the groove but we're not there yet <laughs> no it's the it's the you know the preseason, if you will you know, yeah still getting all the rust off and in gearing up for for big time but it's i'm the same way at the last few years i've taken a couple prairie trips 
Um, and those have been, it, those have been fun. It helps you really dial in the truck. Um, yes. yeah, if you can, if you can yep. do a long run, then you're ready for Once you do yep. that, you're ready for the short ones. Um, and, uh, it's funny this year I've been up North. This will be my second weekend up North, uh, in a row before my prairie trip. I'm actually, I'll leave next week for Nebraska uh, okay. to go chase prairie chickens. So, um, I'm doing it a little bit backwards, but, uh, I think for me, I kind of like, I don't take it super seriously before October 15th. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think, I don't know why. Um, it's just one of those, like you said, like you get the rust off and then all of a sudden it's like, like, uh, like college basketball, right? You're, you're playing a bunch of money games and sort of lower level opponents. And all of a sudden conference play starts and yeah, we just grow our heads on straight. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. It's, I mean, part of it is a healthy change too. Like it's just, being a little bit more relaxed about it is mm-hmm. is never a, never a bad thing. I mean, we can all we can all get pretty intense about it. It's something yeah. we're so passionate about, and I'm I'm right there with a lot of us. But yeah, I've, I've sort of just sort of been focusing on like, man, honestly, just every day I'm in the woods. Like I'm I'm happy to be out there. Like I'm in I'm right mm-hmm. where I want to be. I'm here with my dogs. Everything is good. Like I got nothing to complain about. So that's that's kind of been at the top of my mind. Let's talk your prairie trip. Have you mm-hmm. done the Have you done the prairie chicken hunt before? Like talk talk through that a little bit. I've never done uh, that. Uh, I went for the first time last year um, when I was uh, previously when I was on staff for Pheasants Forever. We had a have a staff member out there um, in the that prairie chicken country, uh, and um, I was coming back from Wyoming, and um, I was just like, hey, you know, let's try to meet somewhere along the way. So um, we met out in the middle of nowhere, in Nebraska, and um, I have not, that was my first time like big, like prairie grouse hunting. I, I love chasing okay. quail, but I had never like short grass prairie hunted. Um, and like within a half hour, I was like, oh, I love this. I, this <laughs> is, um, and I think I finally have a dog that runs a bit bigger. Um, and I would imagine it's probably the same for you with your setters in that walking those hills and just watching the dog roll. Um, mm-hmm. cause you can see it's so for us, you know, as, as grouse nuts, right. It's so different yep. to, to just be like, go run because I can see you and you can see me and you're that much more confident. And so you'll roll a little bit bigger. Um, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm, a I just love chasing native species and, um, and so, you know, it's something new to learn. And so I certainly don't yeah. have it all figured out by any means. But it's one of the things I love about bird hunting is you, I was explaining this to somebody recently is I, I travel a lot, but I do not travel to the, you know, in the traditional sense in that, you know, I go to these places in the middle of nowhere. Right. right. Um, you know, that that's my sightseeing versus going to a city or the beach or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the mountains, if you will. So, um so that'll be, I'm excited for that. I'm, we're, we're, I'm actually going down there to judge uh, for an AVDA test, uh, but on, in the course of figuring out if we could do that, they, they were like, well, why don't you come out and hunt prairie chickens for a couple of days beforehand? Perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Twist my arm. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So the, did you get into sharp tail? Is that a sharp tail and prairie chicken hunt or not really? Where I've been is, is prairie chicken only. I have seen folks get into overlap. Um, this is where my noviceness comes into play. I think that there is a bit of a differentiation there. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that Sharpies are much more in the sand hills. This was a bit south of that. Um, 
but uh, so I, I I have yet to to kill a sharp tail. So that um, oh okay. I'm I'm toying with making a North Dakota run later this year, but we'll see how schedules yeah uh, shake out. Yeah. Well, you definitely hit yeah. on on the things that I've talked about before on here, and just it's yes, c- clearly a very stark contrast from mm-hmm. the woods, especially in the time of year that I tend to do my trip September going mm-hmm. out there in hunting the open country it is a, it's a really awesome trip to kind of start the season it's it's sort of it's it's high demand for the dogs i mean that country can can yeah. be tough you know they cover a lot of ground so that's always a a thing to be mindful of and you know we do our best to condition and mm-hmm. be in shape and i'm again it's not it's we're getting in mid-season form so it's like i'm not too you know i'm mindful of like you know how hard are we hunting and and we're just it's just fun to be out here it's the first hunt of the year that kind of thing so it's but it's so enjoyable to watch those dogs run over that terrain and that topography and yeah yeah, i i've been out for a couple grouse hunts now probably four at this point and you know you're reminded very quickly like gosh i like i like walking those hills and and in in this place it's it's a little bit more claustrophobic but the it's changing we got color i got leaves leaves dropping in the Mm -hmm. yards i don't know about you guys but it's definitely going to change quickly yeah they're they're starting to change here in town um about an hour south of the city um and so it's definitely like i've got a birch in my yard that's just starting to turn yellow yeah. Um, but I was up in Eagle River uh, last weekend with Rough Grouse Society oh, for right. their grouse camp um, to mentor, which was super fun. And I was, I mean, I, I was shocked, and I shouldn't be because of the drought. But I mean, it was almost like peak color up there, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're not we're not long. I don't. I'm, I'm headed up um, to to visit Jerry up at Pine Ridge uh, yep. later this afternoon, and I, I'm interested to see what it's going to be like up there. I would have to think it's going to be pretty similar. Um, yeah, you know, we're one we're one good cold, wet, windy storm away from yes blowing it wide open. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting thing that like that the dry conditions sort of stress the trees, and you see some early. We had a little bit of that last year, and this year we got rain when we needed it. Then it really, but it was really dry in other periods of time, and I felt like that played a played a role. And then just in the last week or so, we've got a ton of rain, which mm-hmm. honestly soaked up pretty quickly like it's there's water in the woods like it's kind of like the right amount i guess um for as much as i've been out there but there was when i hunted two days ago i got into some areas that like it was more like these openings in the cover where there was hazel brush mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of the hazel brush was totally empty which well, i was surprised i was very surprised you know you could see catkins all over like i don't think the grouse are really hitting the hazel catkins a ton mm-hmm. yet but um that was surprising to me and it wasn't all of the hazel brush in the woods because that's like kind of a milestone for for my like when the hazel brush drops its leaves things change a little bit and we're not there yet but there were some pockets that i was going through where it was pretty i was trying to take a picture and couldn't really capture it all that well but to your point it's it's going to happen fast and yeah it'll take we haven't really had much for frost yet so there's a lot of still standing weeds and ferns and all that kind of you know Mm -hmm. i we need that stuff to come down but it's it's still september so yeah well and you and i were chatting beforehand the temperatures this year are just wonky you know looking at at the forecast i mean even this weekend i don't think it's going to get below 60 so um yeah that is I'm a northern tier human, and so I like when it starts getting cold. Um, so Campfire it's a little weather, frustrating. 
Yeah, like I just, let me put a sweatshirt on and light a yes. fire. So um, <laughs> the sooner we can get there, the better. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the grouse camp experience. Was that your first time there? The Rough it Grouse was. Society grouse camp yep. experience. Yeah, yeah, that was phenomenal. Um, and, you know, and it's when I was on staff with with RGS, um, that was during COVID, and so they didn't do it. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't get to experience it, but I, okay. I didn't know what to expect, but Brittany Booth, the editor of the magazine, she was running the event for them. She reached out and just said, you know, they were looking for some mentors and, and needed a few. And, um, and I'd had nothing going on. And I said, well, I want the, ex- the excuse to go spend a weekend in the woods. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I would tell you, I was so surprised in a pleasant, a really pleasant way about, I pulled in to trees for tomorrow in Eagle river and I was like, Oh, there's like 200 people here. Wow. I I was, I mean, there was a lot of folks. I mean, you know, trucks everywhere and dogs and people walking around and stories. And, um, I was really, really impressed, uh, with the turnout. And then, um, and then the, the, the organization that they have and the staff, um, you know, really, really did a great job. They put together some really great educational sessions. I don't, have you had Dr. Rufan Lobos on from Purina? I don't believe so. I definitely know the okay. name, but no, I have yeah. not interviewed her. I know that. So she, that she would be somebody you should absolutely talk to. So she does like really specialty, um, like research and outreach on behalf of Purina. She's actually worked with a friend of mine, um, with his dog around hypoglycemia and trying mm-hmm. to, to manage, uh, manage the, the dog so that it doesn't have episodes and done fantastically well. Um, but she was there, gave a big session on like first aid and, um, and field care and things like that. That was great. Yep. Um, Brent Pike was there, did a lot oh, okay. um, around like gear. They had the Wisconsin Trappers Association come out and talk about traps. Nice. You know, they really, this year, they, I think it's the first year they broke out, like they had a, a mentee session, so more your basics. And then they actually had educational content for the mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of those, I think, is, you know, somebody that's done this for over a decade, you can kind of get into the like, I know everything or I know, you know, I know too much. I mean, over everything sounds too confident, but you like, you get stuck in your ways and you, you kind of know how you approach things, but it was really neat to have that diverse perspective, um, uh, you know, from, from different gear or, um, like the trap piece, um, you know, the first aid kit, those types of things. Um, like I, here's something that I didn't know that the Rethan talked about was, um, when it's really, really hot, a, a way to cool the dog down is to take rubbing alcohol and put it in their their sort of sensitive areas, so the armpits, the ears, the groin area, because it evaporates so fast. Yeah, and I had I, never I had heard, of heard that. that, but okay, so it's so you put it on and then it's evaporating. Like, what's what is it mm-hmm. pulling moisture out of the dog? Like, what's I don't even I have heard that, but it's not pulling moisture out of the dog. But I think it, what it does is it pulls heat. So you put it in areas where like the blood vessels are close to the skin. Okay. Um. So you you can cool it down, but then because it evaporates, you almost get like that cooling effect. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. From the yeah. from the rapid evaporation. Because um, one of the things that can happen with dogs with water, it, folks got to be careful with this about wetting dogs down and putting them in the truck, is that it. Like it can increase humidity rapidly. Sure. It almost has the opposite effect of what you're trying to do with cooling them off. Yeah. Letting a dog cool down and dry out is a, is a mm-hmm. good thing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we uh, I took it, it to your point about it raining Saturday. It rained. It poured. All oh yeah, morning. we got a lot of rain last week. Um, yeah, um, and we but we went out and and the, the two gentlemen that I took out. Um, yeah, one uh, was actually a, a, a RGS chapter leader out from New Hampshire. Him and a couple of the chapter folks decided they wanted to experience Wisconsin, so they came out. Cool. Um, and so um, we put them on a on a handful of birds. Um, you know, it was again the pouring rain was tough, uh, but managed to scratch out a couple of woodcock that first morning. And then the other gentleman I was with, he was up there. He's got a really young lab, and um, and he has recently just taken up um, bird hunting over a dog. Okay. And so on Sunday, um, I got lucky on Sunday. I, I got into this situation where plan A, B, and C didn't work. And so, you know, when there was trucks there, and so I really yeah. had to, you know, I had scout and hunt pulled up on my phone in Onyx, <laughs> and I was just ripping through maps trying to find spots. And I thankfully found a couple spots, and we found a massive grouse. Mm. Um, and so both of them uh, got their first Wisconsin grouse. For one gentleman, his dog got his first grouse. Wow. Uh, and so it was, uh, it was really sweet to, to put them in the position to have those experiences, to see a lot of birds, to get shots and then for both of them to come away, killing a bird. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Have you, yep. have you hunted a grouse over labs, flushers before much, if, if at all? No, I think okay. that was my first time. Yeah. What, uh, cause I, I haven't listeners may mm-hmm. know that, but I, I would like to, um, if yeah. the opportunity arose, what, what, uh, how, how did his dog do and what do you take away I from it, it? It did good. It was young. It was learning. And yeah. so, um, and he, he was a great student, you know, he was very hungry for information. And, um, and so it was fun for me to, to educate him. You know, there were times where the dog would hunt really, really hard. And then if we hit stretches without a lot of birds, the dog would kind of shorten up and he was like, Oh, the dog's tired. I'm like, no, the dog's bored because it just hasn't, Mm -hmm. hasn't done this long enough to know that it needs to keep going and keep going. And it's like, we'd get into a bird or the gun, somebody would shoot a wild flush and all of a sudden the dog would be right back in it. Um, and so, um, you know, working with him and the dog to learn that was, was fun. Um, uh, it's neat, you know. You got to pay attention, you know. Not it, yes, it, right. pointing dog folks can be. Um, <laughs> we can allow our minds to wander a little bit more, or be focused more a bit more on where we're walking or steps. Yep. Um, you know, whereas with a flushing dog, you got to keep your eye. You got to try to keep an eye on that dog in the woods to mm-hmm. see what's coming. Um, so it, it added a definitely a, a, a bigger element of paying attention. Um, I will say he had the dog very well trained in that it did not range far. So we weren't chasing it. You know, I think that's my biggest fear getting in the woods with a flusher is it's already hard enough to walk in the woods. I don't need to do it fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it was great. So I got, I got a couple of retrieves on video for him. Nice. um, From his dog's first grouse and first woodcock. So, uh, yeah, it was well worth it for the weekend. What a cool experience. I just think back to like having somebody there with you to help somebody who's new to it with that specifically like reading the dog and just those real basic mm-hmm. things. Cause I remember hunting with Hartley, you know, 10 years ago, like the things that I was thinking were like, just so not, it was like this dog, he's not hunting, you know, he's like a three month old pup and like, he's 
jumping around at my yep. feet. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be like a machine? You know, just like just <laughs> clueless, clueless things that, you know, I ended up talking to my breeder, Jerry Coulter, about that stuff, and he yep. talked me through it. But that's a that's just a cool opportunity to kind of have somebody along with you hunting through the yeah. cover and reading the dog and that kind of thing. So Yeah, it's become one of my favorite things to do because um, even like you, you and I were just talking about like cover type and hazel and all of mm-hmm. that. Like just to even for the one that was in um, that was there from New Hampshire, like cover types totally different. Yep. So being yep. able to have the conversation about like, all right, here's this particular area. This is why I wanted to come here. This is what I'm looking for. If you're going to come here and do this on your own, these are the things that you should look for. So I, you know, I was showing them both hazel and winterberry yep. and you know different types of you know like how to hunt edges and how to approach covers. Um, you know, the, the Ann Jandernaw classic, like I'm going to find a cover and I'm going to hike all the way to the back and hunt it to the road. <laughs> yes. We're not hunting on the walk in, we're walking in and hunting back, you know, yeah. um, you know, those, all those types of things. And, the, and then to have those scenarios work out, um, right. you know, was, was, it's affirming like, Oh, I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your pressure's on, you know, you're, you're the mentor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. That's cool. Well, yeah, I'm glad we worked in a little plug. I had chatted with very briefly with Gabe Stone of Rough Grouse Society mm-hmm. and Brittany about the event. We were gonna Gabe and I were gonna try to connect and kind of preview it, but we didn't get a chance to do that. So, little plug for that. I have I've yet to been able to make it over there. I would like to. It's always kind of a conflict with my prairie trip, uh, just the time mm-hmm. of year, and I'm not able to sneak over there. But one of these years, I will. It sounds like a good time, and I'm it's cool to yeah. hear that there's so many people in attendance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was impressed and really, you know, from all walks of life, you know, um, so, yeah. and from all, from all over, I mean, one of the license plates I saw was Alabama. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's hard. Like you said, I mean, September rolls around and it's like, how much stuff can I cram into, yeah. you know, the next four months? Uh, so yeah, probably well, I'm kind of like, you know, as I'm, as we've talked through a couple of these things, like my, you know, my attitude around September rough grouse hunting is such that like it, I, I should make a trip over there. Like it, I would be totally comfortable with that and not feel like oh, I'm missing a weekend of hunting or something like that. You know, I just, sure. I, I would, I guess I'm maybe craving something like that. So maybe next year mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what kind of questions were, you know, you mentioned cover and hazel and I, those are obvious mm-hmm. questions. Anything else that, the people that you were hunting with, were they asking about grouse hunting habitat, that kind of thing? Um, yeah, they had a lot of questions about like differentiating between woodcock and grouse habitat. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I tend to subscribe to the, to the philosophy. If, um, if you're moving, moving and shooting a lot of woodcock, you're not going to be finding a lot of grouse. Um, and, um, as well as, um, I really like to, you know, particularly in the Midwest and in Wisconsin, you have the, like, everybody's like, oh, we should hunt these massive aspen stands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, as I've gotten older and more experienced, I tend to find, I like to find smaller stuff that's probably a little dirtier, or at least what I call dirty cover. So it's, it's got maybe a bit of hardwood in it or a bit of conifer in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, that just doesn't look like your sort of sea of aspen whips. Yeah, um, yep. you know that are ten or fifteen years old. I I want if the whole cover looks like edge habitat, great. And if it doesn't, 
I want to just, we're going to hunt the outside and leave the middle. And yes, that's going to be that. Yep. Um, so, so trying to, trying to explain that to them. The other thing I've had this experience with multiple folks taking them grouse hunting for the first time. It's just teaching them and there's no right way or wrong way, but how I walk in the woods in terms of, um, being ready to shoot. Like I, I don't, I would love to hear your perspective, Nick, but I tend to look at like, if I'm in the woods and the dog's in front of me and working, I tend to look at, all right, I want to go in this particular direction, but how do I do that in a method that puts me in places that I can shoot if a bird gets up? Um, and so I'm always kind of like, all right, so I'm here, all right, I need to take five steps to get to this other pocket. So I'm just going to put my head down and go and it's, and then stop. And, And then there's the whole piece of like, just stand still in the woods for a second and see what happens. Yep. Um, because that, that bird that, that you missed is going to get spooky and pop. Yep. Um, and so trying to teach them like this isn't, this isn't pheasant hunting towards blockers where it's a, it's a strict paced march. This is more of a meander, um, that's intentional. Yes. Yep. I would, I would agree with like, however anybody else wants to do it, but that's how I do it. Like I, Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of natural. And I think for me, a lot of it comes from hunting a lot without a dog. So like I had to be always ready and always think, cause like I got every, the grouse has every advantage over me, Mm -hmm. you know, at that, at that point. And so I've always done that. And so even now with my pointing dogs, like I pretty much am walking through the woods, like (laughs) ready. And beyond that, to your point, like looking where I want to be. You know, and like yeah. I'm looking ahead, reading the cover, and if I see a raspberry patch or a hazel brush pocket that I like, I'm not consciously, but thinking like, oh, all right, how do I want to pr- approach this edge? And yeah, meandering mm-hmm. is a good way to put it. I'm not, I'm doing very few straight lines. I'm taking, it's a combination of the path of least resistance with mm-hmm. a slightly higher priority on where exactly do I want to be. Like, you know, I will mm-hmm. bull rush through some you know, thing that I seemingly impenetrable stand of thing. If I want to get over there and and walk that edge of that little opening or that pocket. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that comes with time and experience, like sort of Mm -hmm. knowing where you want to be and seeing those patterns in the woods. But, um, yeah, that's, that's very quality stuff, especially with like the diversity and, you know, you're looking for edge habitat and, but that's a, it's a subtle difference, like a sea of Aspen, versus mm-hmm. just enough diversity in there where it's like, yeah, this feels grousey to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, my buddies and I, we all call it dirty cover. Like yeah, stuff where you yeah. pull up and you're like, Oh, that's a mess. Let's go in there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And I did want to note too, like on the, your comment about woodcock, like if you're finding a lot of woodcock, you may not be finding a lot of grouse. That's kind of twofold. It's, it's partly because that maybe isn't the best grouse cover, but also, if you're in an area with a lot of woodcock, that is taking up a lot of time and energy mm-hmm. from your bird dog, and like you can, Correct. you know, you can spend a lot of time in a in a big group of woodcock, and it can be fun. And you know, if you if that's where you want to be, great. But if your goal is to find rough grouse, it's I would do kind of exactly what you described. Like if I'm in a spot where I'm getting into a lot of that, I'm probably sliding out to the edge or like some next layer of cover trying to move mm-hmm. out of that particular spot. Cause yep. yeah, when you got a dog that loves to point and, and wants to point and there's a bunch of woodcock around it, you can, <laughs> you can, uh, <laughs> it, it can get interesting fast. 
<laughs> yeah, yep, yep. It's time to try to heal through the woods for a little while. Yes, yeah. It's fun. It's one of the one of the cool parts about a mixed bag hunt. Mm-hmm. Having these birds live live in close proximity or the same covers. It's it's part of what makes it fun. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool little recap on on Grouse Camp Rough Grouse Society. I'm I'm sure they've got to be four or five years into it now, maybe more than that. Um, and they do right it the same place there, yeah. every year. So if you're, if that sounds appealing to anybody, they could, they could check in with rough grouse society and probably plan on next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Highly recommend. So are you more excited to go grouse hunting this weekend or eat food prepared by Hank Shaw? Ooh, <laughs> man. That's like a, a, a this or that that no one wants to answer. Neck and neck. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I'm uh, I'm excited for the, more for the food because only because of the weather. I was going to yeah. If it was 40 degrees, I would be like, uh, yeah. I mean, I might not make it back for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of guy, man. But, I love it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible either way. Um, I haven't been up to that area in two or three years, um, yeah. so I'm excited to get back to camp and see Jerry and and spend a little bit of time with Hank. And yeah, I mean I'm sure whatever he's cooking up is gonna be incredible. I've had the opportunity to go to a couple of his dinners around the country over the years, and um, obviously have all of his books and make a bunch of his stuff. So that'll be yeah. a great time. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. It's I'm looking forward to getting over there this fall as well. It's um, I'm. Piners kicked it up a notch this year. It's Hank Shaw and Rachel, and I'm blanking on her last name. I, do you do you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, off the top of my head. I apologize for that. But I'll try to. I'll look that up, and we'll we'll cover it again. I'll be mm-hmm. I'll be over there too. But um, we got two chefs up there at Pine Ridge, and and working on all the ambiance and atmosphere. And yeah, it's it's going to be a blast. So this is kind of the first big kickoff weekend, and you'll be up there. It'll be a, it'll be a good mm-hmm. time, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I mean, you know this because you know we both know Jerry and have spent a lot of time there. Pulling in that driveway is like coming home. Um, it, it it really, and I don't know how he has managed to to like instill that feeling in that place. But he's so welcoming, and it's such mm-hmm. a just a wonderful time to you know to to spend with folks and sit around the fire and eat good food and tell stories and so. Um, yeah, we, uh, we were talking about a number of different things and he was like, you need to come up. And I, this was the only really weekend on the calendar that I had. And I was like, well, I guess this is it. So <laughs> it'll be, it'll be fun to get up there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's funny too. Yeah. Like you said, it's maybe hard to put your finger exactly on like what the magic of Pine Ridge is, but it's not by accident. And, and Jerry and Brenda do a wonderful job of sort of making that feeling there and um yeah it's a it's a cool place to be and there'll be a lot of people i know a lot of people listening to the show will be making trips there this mm-hmm. fall and it's uh it's fun so nice. we'll look forward to that as well but gearing up for your next hunt check out ugly dog hunting company for all your dog supply needs ugly dog hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you whether you're looking for dog collars gps tracking devices kennels beds leads training equipment or first aid supplies ugly dog hunting carries it and a whole lot more new owner of the company and friend of the bird shop podcast mike nadusky loves to remind me that while i do hunt with pretty dogs every dog can be an ugly dog Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. 
For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit uplandguncompany.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's let's talk a little bit about some one of the biggest developments in your, in your life recently. You are the uh, <laughs> recently minted owner of Ugly Dog Hunting Co. Man, T- talk me through that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, it's been a been a wild ride. Um, so been about I guess a month and a half now. Looking at the the calendar, um, that I, I took the leap into business ownership, uh, which is which is wild and very fulfilling. Um, so for folks that are unfamiliar, Ugly Dog Hunting Company is um, is a sort of hunting, uh, bird hunting, and dog training supply company. Uh, what I uh, what I tell folks is we're we're, we're serious gear for serious bird hunters and dog trainers, and are sometimes seri- uh, silly dogs. Um, <laughs> I like to say that we're we're very we're serious in that you know we take hunting seriously, we take training seriously. And at the same time, there, and every dog can be an ugly dog some days and humble us in a variety of ways. Um, I posted on my Instagram story last night. My short hair was sitting on the couch with me while I was eating popcorn. And she is like like Bracco Italiano drooling <laughs> at the popcorn bowl. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, Terry Wilson and, and Nancy Annisfield are the previous owners, both uh, super great, wonderful folks that I had uh, really been fortunate to get to know through NAVDA. Both are also um, incredible conservationists, both huge supporters of Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever and Rough Grouse Society. Um, you know, Nancy formerly sat on the board of PF and QF. Terry sits on the board at RGS. And... Um, and so I had gotten to know them through NAVDA, um, and also, you know, my previous dog was wire hair, so I was I sort of fell in love with the ugly dog uh, thing there, and um, just struck up a conversation with them and said, you know, what what are your plans for the business? Where do you think this is going to go? What would you like to see? Where would you like to see it go? And um, over the course of a period of time, we were able to to make it work. Um, and so I'm really excited. It's been a company that's been around for 23 years. Yeah. It started as a catalog company. Uh, obviously morphed into an online space and so i'm i'm really excited to take that legacy and bring it forward and and grow and and expand i think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to um, build community in the bird dog space both in training and hunting um, and a resource i mean obviously you know your podcast nick has been around for a really long time and been an incredible you know both from an entertainment value and an education value you know to the community and i really see ugly dog being uh, you know, a sort of a similar asset to that, you know, helping people have better trained dogs, have better hunts, know what to do, where to go. Similar to what we were talking about the, the uh, mentor hunt, right? Like the, this is important to pass it on and to help folks shorten that learning curve. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, sending folks pins and, 
um, you know, hot spotting, but at the same time, you know, how can we teach folks to to go out and have the best experience possible, both in hunting and having a dog that they're really, really proud to put on the ground. Yep, passing it on. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to Jerry Havel on Nick Adair's Gun Dog It Yourself podcast recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just mentioned that because they they got into that quite a bit. You know, just again talking about sort of meeting in the middle as far as like people that have been doing it for a long time people are just getting started you know how do we pass this stuff on in 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 the right way it just it was an enjoyable conversation i know jerry got a lot of feedback and um mm-hmm. so that would be a, a worthy listen if if anybody's curious about that but yeah it's the birdshot podcast hasn't been around for 23 years but but a few years so but i appreciate the kind words and yeah i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing what you do with it and uh excited for you and congrats man Thank you. Yeah, uh, it, I tell people that I am excited and terrified all at the same time, which I guess <laughs> yeah. that that is uh, as a as a sort of self-employed small business owner and, and runner, that's exactly where I should be. Um, yeah. I have never had more fun. It's been wonderful to get to know folks and to interact and to be helpful and, and supportive in gear choices um, and and trying to help sort of help folks figure out what will work best for them. Um, I think that that's really the, a fantastic opportunity is, is um, you know, in bird hunting and in dogs and in training, there's 8,000 ways to skin the cat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And yes. no one, even, you know, like we were talking about grass hunting, there's no one right way to do it. It put it's what works for you. But for me, I see the business and us as a resource to say, all right, well, so, how how do you like to do things? What do you like this to look like? And then from a gear perspective, like what's your budget and how do we intersect that? Um, you know, somebody was talking to me recently about some of the, like the hunting vests I sell and it's not, you know, they're not a final rise or a hunt ready or, you know, more of that high end, more bespoke vest. I'm like, well, that, that's important because you and I both know when we started, we didn't have the top of the line. It wasn't a final you know, rise. <laughs> it wasn't a final rise vest. It wasn't a wing works at the time. It yeah. was, you know, a, a hand-me-down or, or something, you know, that, that got us in the woods and got us experiencing, you know, the hunt and training and, and all of that. And so I think that it's important to to show up in those particular ways of, you know, we want to be really serious and we'll provide as high-end stuff as possible. But at the same time, if you're getting into this, let's not break the bank and focus more on getting you out and experiencing the woods with your three month old puppy yeah. uh, and go from there. Yeah, man. If I could convey how proud I was to don my first shoulder blaze orange vest, the Cla- Gander yeah. mountain special. And I had my mom. sew my Minnesota firearm safety patch on there. I mean, I was on cloud nine, man. The, it had shell holders. I could put 20 gauge shells in the loose. Oh man. It yep. doesn't take much when you're just getting no. started. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. Not it, that I and, saw and, any of those vests on your website, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I might have, I might have a few for sure. I actually, um, one of the things I'm really proud of is that we have uh, like a youth fest. So oh, for cool. folks with kids that want to go out, you know, especially if you grew up in um, in like a family that hunts, like yeah. think about being a kid and looking at your mom or your dad out in the field and how you're always like, well, that's what I want. Like I want to look the part. Like yes. I want to go do this, and I want to I want to um, be as much like them as possible. Like how how cool is it to to be able to kit you know your kid out with yeah you know proper field gear and 
you know, like, like, uh, like Levi comes to mind, like he is always out in the woods with those kids. And I love, like, it's so wonderful to see that. And he's not shy about it. Yep. Talk about coming full circle for me. I've, I've got a five-year-old now and he's, we have a little hunting vest and like, it's, he wants to put that thing on, you know, we're going hunting. He wants to put that vest on. And it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's very, very cool to see the interest level and, and the Mm -hmm. passion starting to form, which is, which is cool. And you know, wherever that leads to, we'll see, but it's, it's, it's dang fun. So yeah, Yeah. good on you for having a kid's vest. (laughs) So thank you. Yeah. Do they still do uh, catalogs or has that gone away? Because I remember I used to get the catalogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they haven't, or we haven't done a catalog since 2016. Okay. Um, so mostly much more, you know, very online uh, oriented. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to lean much more into the social media aspects in the community. You know, obviously Facebook has been a great platform for the business, but um, we didn't have an Instagram account until I took over. So, um, okay. feel free to go give us a follow over there. Ugly dog hunting co. Do that. Um, and I want to do more like that's a, that's a great space to a showcase product, but also like just build community and have fun. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you know, Katie Willis, she is, uh, she's the, we call her the queen of the wild hairs. She's a, a lady with a bunch of wire hairs that travels around the country and a fifth wheel bird hunting is all this over the place. Tra- traveling pup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I met her uh, in the spring. She okay. randomly was with some friends of mine and showed up at one of our Rough Grouse Society chapter meetings. So, anyways, nice. yeah. yeah, she's very oh. cool. Uh, so she, you know, she has all wire hairs, and uh, so she uh, she has um, highlighted uh, what she calls German dog bingo, uh, which generally <laughs> has to do with porcupines and skunks. Uh, that's where my head went. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. So, like yesterday, um, Renee Tamala uh, tagged us in a post. Uh, it sounds like so for everything that Quill has been through. If you're familiar with Renee and Quill, um, for everything that he has been through, he has not lost his tenacity because yesterday he decided to tussle with a badger. Oh man! <laughs> so uh, we decided that that was an automatic full card bingo, and yeah. you 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 run the table. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's been fun to just enjoy, you know, the ant- like to be serious because it is, you know, this is our passion, right? This is the thing that we love and, and we lean into and, and we really look forward to all year. And at the same time, part of the reason that we love it is because of all of the shenanigans and the mm-hmm. stories and the silly, like the cool, silly, fun memories that happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't make, uh, make light of things and, and have fun with it. It's, uh, you might want to check yourself at the door but yeah 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 that's that's awesome man i man the timing of this conversation could not be more perfect because as we we haven't joked yet but i do hunt with pretty dogs which does not does not exclude me from shopping at ugly dog hunting company which i'm happy about Mm -hmm. but my pretty dog uh my my nine-year-old pretty english setter decided to grab a square on ugly dog bingo uh, last <laughs> last week we had our first skunk incident last mm-hmm. r- week ago today, man. <laughs> and you you helped me with with you along with many many other people uh, helped me with the de skunk kit, and we're gonna talk about that. But yeah, it's it yeah. can happen to anyone, man. <laughs> it, it really it really can. Yeah, I uh, they, like I said, every dog can be an ugly dog at some moment. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that uh it's funny i had never had i had a, a, a drop for 10 years and i avoided skunks 
Yeah. Um, and then last summer I had just gotten back from a trip and I was letting my dog run around in the yard. I was living, um, in a rural, rural farmhouse at the time. And all of a sudden, excuse me, I heard her start barking and I'm like, what are you barking at? So I called her to me and like, like she was on the way back to me and the smell beat her to me. <laughs> I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. <no." laughs> yeah. You know, pretty quickly. Yeah. So was was did Hartley get it by like behind the house for you or were no, you out on a trip? We were in the woods. We were in the woods, Ooh. and it's it's funny because now I remember driving to the woods. I saw a dead skunk on the road, which you know it's not like a, that's the rarest thing in the world. But saw one on the w- way there, and I saw one on the way back, and then I heard from a couple other people that they had instances. So I, got, I think the skunks were really active about a week ago, and <laughs> maybe maybe they still are. But yeah, it was it was weird because. Because Hartley was, we've never had any incidents before. Like I said, he's nine years old. I do recall one time in the backyard, I let him out at like, it was like 1130 at night or something. I just remember this being like a really, really, we avoided a disaster. And like Mm -hmm. we went outside and this was before I had a fenced in backyard, which I think maybe helps a little bit. But he went outside and I remember he like straight up charged at something like smelled something and charged. And like, as my night, you know, I I was able to see in the dark, he was like a foot away from a skunk and the skunk totally turned and was like ready to direct blast him. And somehow I got him separated without the skunk doing anything. If you can believe that, like, I I don't know, like I would have thought it would have been pretty automatic for a, for a skunk to spray him. So that was like in the back of my mind, like that was our closest call. Well, this time, he was in the woods and he actually, we were just exercising. We weren't hunting and he went on point, which again, we got, I don't find a lot of grouse typically where I'm, where I'm doing exercise runs, but it's fall Mm -hmm. shuffle time and there's birds, whatever. So he goes on point and I think the dogs are just like, they're ready for hunting season. You know, we've, we've been out West and had our trip and he goes on point. I walk in and I try to flush a grouse or something or woodcock or something. And there's nothing there. And then he kind of takes off in sort of his relocating attempt and just sort of makes a big loop and I'm turning around and heading back towards the truck or whatever to continue our walk and he comes out of the woods and kind of that same thing like he was sort of like he looked a little agitated I didn't think anything of it until he came right by me and oh there's the smell (laughs) oh did you just get sprayed by a skunk Hartley you're nine years old what the heck are you doing man sure enough he got he got sprayed and it's I don't think it was again this is our only experience so I don't know the variation of like a real bad hit versus a a graze this was probably somewhere in the middle like he definitely Mm -hmm. definitely got hit but I don't think it was terrible and um yeah so well let me ask you, t- talk me through the, what's your de-skunking method? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I should have had the recipe sitting in front of me. <clears throat> it is, I know um, it because I've seen it a hundred times. So, <laughs> well, there you go. So it's a mixture of, um, hydrogen peroxide and baking soda and Dawn dish soap basically. Yes. Um, and if you want, and if you can find it, um, put a bit of like a, a scented essential oil in there too. Mm. Um, and so not only will the baking soda and the hydrogen peroxide neutralize and the, the soap neutralize the, the oils and the smell in the skunk, um, but then like the essential oil will also sort of add a bit of a, a cover scent. And basically you're, you're in wash, rinse, repeat mode um, yeah. until it goes away. Um, and so I, particularly for the first iteration or two, I like to, to be a bit thicker, um, almost like the baking soda, uh, like style paste you would put on a bee sting. 
mm-hmm. um, and like really like let it like rub it in and and get it on there and uh, good and thick and let it soak for a hot minute and spray them down and um, and see how you you come out. Um, I have been lucky. I only had to do um, sort of the wash rinse repeat twice. Yeah. How Hartley? I mean, but that was a short hair. So how was that with Hartley? Yeah. So there's that's what I, I'm going to sort of talk through like what I've learned. So now do you have your kit like in the truck and like do this application in the field? Like you can, yeah, I carry five gallons of water with me everywhere. So, um, you know, if I need to, I will. Um, yeah. and you're, yeah, you're in a tough spot cause you've got that SUV too. That must right. be <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, uh, the SUV is not totally skunk free yet. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there is that, but so like, so what we did was we, we we didn't have far to go. Like I just I put Hartley in the I took his crate pads out of his out of mm-hmm. his kennel, the Dakota two eighty three, and threw him in there and got him in there and got him home. And then I was kind of I knew in the back of my mind I knew about the hydrogen peroxide baking soda thing, you know. So I quick googled it and was like, okay, I get it. Well, then I was sort of like in let's act quickly mode and. I went inside, grabbed an old bottle of hydrogen peroxide, which is basically diluted yeah. water, like doesn't do anything. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah, a full quart. It was just like a little bit. And I was like, ah, you know, dump this in a bucket, throw some baking soda in there, throw some dish soap, mixed it up in water, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I mixed it up in water <laughs> and then I put that on him and like, and then rinsed it off. So I've just made like all of the cardinal mistakes. Like I didn't use new hydrogen peroxide. I didn't have enough of it. I mm-hmm. put, I put it in water, which will just spread the skunk oil throughout the fur. And, and that's what I did for the first rinse. Then I did that. Then I went to Walgreens and, and got new hydrogen peroxide. And like, I put this Instagram story up and I got, you know, a hundred responses of everybody saying, you know, <laughs> don't use water, do this, you know, and I got yep. a bunch of recommendations. And fortunately we didn't, it wasn't too bad. Like I, that I, I did the, the correct application and that really helped. I did have a number of people recommend a, and I heard from a few people that, you know, the hydrogen peroxide method is like proven to work chemically. Mm-hmm. It, like it, it makes sense. Everything else is like, kind of like just like deodorant air freshener, like doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. I did have a few people recommend a specific kind of skunk off shampoo available at like fleet farm and tractor supply. Okay. I did go get it and I used it and it did work. Like it, it absolutely sure. reduced the skunk smell. It's not totally gone from Hartley yet, but I haven't reapplied it now for a few days. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. overdue for another application, but that I would say did lessen the smell. So whether or not it's actually mm-hmm. doing anything to the skunk oil or scent, I don't know, but I now know like it would be very easy to just buy a fresh quart of hydrogen peroxide mm-hmm. at the be the beginning of the season or whatever, put that along with your baking soda and some dish soap in a Ziploc bag. So if yep. you needed to apply it right away in the field, you know, mm-hmm. on the head, you know, like typically where the dog gets hit kind of on the face or whatever, yeah. so just to kind of do that before you put them in the truck or the SUV or whatever. I will, I haven't, Yeah. I don't have a skunk kit in my truck yet, but I should. 
because I just learned. It sounds like you did. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have the the mean the German variant of those English pretty dogs. Um, your next thing, you know, you're gonna be you know, like we're gonna have to start having porcupine incidences. Right. Um, I hope not. <laughs> I think. Yeah, me either. Um, I think to your point, the nothing is bulletproof, right? Like right. It's a, you're you're trying to work against the force of nature. The biggest thing is the hydrogen peroxide piece is is proven to work, and it is the biggest bang for your buck in the scenario to yeah. reduce the smell, to reduce the oils, to get it off the dog, to start counteracting, um, you know, the spray. Um, and then from there, you know, any, any bath is going to help. And if it can be specifically formulated, it, right. it'll help move the needle. And then it's like anything, it's you're just going to need a little bit of time to, exactly. you know, I'm sure, you know, you take, you take Hartley out and it's wet in the morning probably in the next week or so and you're going to get a whiff or two yeah we've already experienced that <laughs> yeah it was wet in the, in the woods when we, when we were hunting and a, again it's it's not a level like i guess sure. even even i will say even my wife tolerated the skunk smell better than i was expecting expecting <laughs> to and like they're out in they're out in here in the in the garage podcast studio and stuff so they're not inside the house so that was uh that that helps but anyways yeah every every little bit helps and I did hear from, again, talking through the mistakes that I made, just not being prepared, whatever, like the quicker you can get it is, I, I was told that, you know, that, that will help. Mm-hmm. And so again, having that sort of kit in your trunk and then don't use water until you've applied that. Um, and, you know, if, I think if you could, if you could get that solution on the, the direct hit part of the dog real early and mm-hmm. then rinse it off, I think that probably would have made a difference, but, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, Hartley seemed his his demeanor like the next day or later that he seemed like really embarrassed and ashamed. <laughs> I, was, I was texting my my buddy Ted like it, he seemed like he just like really felt like he made a mistake, and so I, I was trying to yeah. build up his confidence and and build him back. Lots up of regret. Bit. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, I think he realized like he he stepped out of line there from his pretty dog status and and got into some, yep. some nonsense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we all make mistakes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do have a, I do have my multi tool and my my forceps for just in case we ever have any porcupine. Rose pointed a porcupine last week, real close to it. She was on point again. Like I was walking in to try to flush. We were just out exercising, thinking I was going to flush mm-hmm. a grouse, and I looked down and there was a big, pretty good sized porcupine under a log. But she's she's done that a couple times, and I've she's never gone in on one. So yeah knocking on wood yeah. over here <laughs> i hear you thankfully mac is the same way when she was really young i had her in the woods um and she just bumped one and i literally i have a photo i she's so tiny that i literally just picked her up and i like i had her in my hand and i was pulling the quills out with my fingers she had like five or six of them right in the just very lightly in the tip of her nose um and thankfully she's she's never uh done more since so yeah. um my wire hair when 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 i had plexi i mean she she went hammer down on one and that took Oof. it was literally last day of camp weekend last walk the like well let's go down there and hit the road and we'll take the road back um instead of just taking the woods to the truck and we made the turn and it was i literally i saw her it was a, like a dip in the woods and i saw her and she was running and then all of a sudden i saw her accelerate and then I lost her in the dip, and when she came out the other side, all I saw was her paws just batting her face. Uh, um, and my buddies, 
the, the way that I swore, my buddies were all like, we knew immediately what happened. <laughs> oh, isn't the timing of that stuff just, man, your last hunt, mm-hmm. you know, you're about to be done, and yeah, that, it's time for a for an incident. Let's yep. go. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We're just going to put an exclamation point right on this. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, circling back to the bit, we don't need to. We're not. Gonna, we don't need to get into the whole sort of like the ins and outs of the business. But I am curious, like sure. now that you're sort of taking over, like, are you on the phone? Like, are you getting calls in? Like, what are people mm-hmm. are you? Because you mentioned like talking people through gear selection and and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, if somebody emails and or contacts Ugly Dog Hunting, I'm guessing they're gonna probably be talking to you. And what sort of yeah. what sorts of conversations are you having right now? Obviously, it's yeah. you know top of mind for a lot of folks. Yeah, so it's a lot of about um, like I ask, I have a lot of que- folks calling me with questions about Garmin stuff. Uh, we're a big Garmin dealer, and and obviously this year they just came out with the 300 and 300i um, and the the TT25 collar. So having conversations with folks about you know upgrading equipment, what does that look like? Um, and I'm really excited. I actually have one coming for me um, here this weekend um, to dive in and really get to know it because I'm still running the Alpha. Uh, the 100, excuse me, but, um, you know, things like that are, um, you know, all the way down to like, how do I properly size my collar for my dog? How do I, like, what do I put on a nameplate? You know, what's the proper thing to, to put on that? Um, as well as like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting a puppy and I don't know my, you know, anything. Yeah. <laughs> what do I need? What do you suggest? Um, where, you know, what do I look for? Um, you know, we, I even just had a call recently about first aid kits, like what, what, you know, should I have in the truck? What should versus what I should carry yeah. in my pack? You know, really it, it runs the gamut. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. And thankfully I've been around long enough that, um, you know, I've, I've got a good base of knowledge that I can share with folks. And if I don't know the answer, I can, I've got a lot of people, you know, you included that I can call and go, Hey, you know, somebody called me about this. What? how would you answer this question or yeah. where would you send some folks? And it's fun for me to, for, to revoke the call and, um, and to, you know, to just have like, I want to know what kind of dog they have and where they hunt and what they hunt and what that looks like. And, uh, and, and as you know, I mean, everybody loves talking about their dog. Oh yeah. So it, yep. uh, it's been really enjoyable to get to know folks and, um, to, to connect. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, definitely a similar sentiment in, in a lot of the conversations I have, through up a gun company and it is it's a blessing to be able to have that sort of be a component of work and chatting with people about birds and dogs and shotguns and and you know as as you well know like the more you talk through this stuff with people that's what one thing i love about like i never really had done this before working with customers or just like mm-hmm. and, and that side of a business um prior to to this like talking to people and having all these different conversations about for me it's a shotgun and how are we going to use it and you know like you learn Mm -hmm. so much in in talking to people about how they use things and and like what their approach is so it's i i love that and it's you know it's similar to this podcast i mean there's a reason why i probably find myself doing those things those kinds of things yeah yeah absolutely um, so, and, and the other thing that I am really trying to lean into and as, um, you know, for listeners, if you go to the site and you look for stuff, um, you know, would love to, to earn your business. But if you see, if there's things that you're looking for that I don't have, yeah, drop me a line. I'm really curious on like, what are folks looking for that, that I don't carry? I'm, I certainly have a lot of ideas and, um, 
and and working on implementing new things and bringing new things to market or bringing um, new things just to to Ugly Dog to to bring to market. But from a from a, a customer perspective, if they're looking for certain things um, that that they can't find, I would love to be the supplier of those things. So. Um, you know, I, I think a lot, I have had a lot of conversations with women about quality gear and, mm-hmm. um, you know, design and, and access to things that, that for folks like you and I, like we take for granted because we can go yeah. and, you know, put an Orvis pullover on and it fits perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's really high quality and it's durable and whatnot. Um, and so I've had a lot of conversations I've, through NAVDA and other outlets. I've been really fortunate to, to chat with a number of really serious bird hunters and, and dog trainers that are women, and they they would tell you they don't have that same opportunity. So um, I'm really looking forward to, over time, being the space where folks can find that. Yep, very cool. Uh, well, we had our we already chatted about Swiss bells too. We're gonna we're gonna work on that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yep. we uh, we're gonna do a, a bird shot ugly dog Swiss bell. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I ran my bell last weekend. I um Did I you? had a I typically don't run a bell. Um okay. but when I do these mentored hunts with folks that aren't mm-hmm. used to dogs, I I run a bell. I think it's just help it's helpful for them, particularly with a pointing dog, it's much yep. more helpful for them to keep track of the dog. Whereas um, you know, particularly with me with the Phoenix, like I'll just wait for the thing to vibrate. Yeah, if yeah. it's it, that that is a there is a difference there. I always have bells on my dogs, and I appreciate certain things about them. But I could, you know, if I was by myself, I could do it without. But um, mm-hmm. in that setting, I really do think there's a lot of value in mm-hmm. somebody being able to track the location mm-hmm. of where the dog is, especially early season, thick cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a safety safety thing. But I speaking of Absolutely. Garmin, I wanted to ask you this: Do you? So yeah, you do run a watch. You have the Phoenix watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So one of my absolute favorite features is the Alpha connecting to my Phoenix watch and being able to walk into a point via it's. And I've said mm-hmm. this before, and I I, I was Jerry was joking because like I I kind of convinced him to get a watch this year because I'm like you will not like I was not expecting to appreciate being able to just glance mm-hmm. at my watch versus having to look at a handheld, but it's a you know, it sounds maybe nerdy, but it's like, it's a big deal. And, and it's very easy to just mm-hmm. glance at the watch versus having to look at the handheld. If you're trying to approach a point and get a shot at a rough grouse, all of that, you know, all of this stuff is sort of built into that. So you obviously run that. I am having a couple of issues. I was going to gonna text my buddy at Garmin today, mm-hmm. Rayhan, uh, with my Phoenix connecting with my Alpha 300. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like, I had the Alpha 200 in the past and the 100 before that. Very seamless. Like, turn on the Alpha and it's connected to the dog tracking app on my watch. This time I've had a couple. I've had a couple times where it just doesn't find it. And if it's hmm. it's it'll say searching. And I'm kind of I'm talking through this just in case anybody listening has a solution for this or something. Sure. But it'll say searching, so it can't find my handheld. And I've gone in there and sort of looked at it, and there doesn't seem to be a way to, or I haven't figured out the way yet to say hey connect or like repair Mm. or other than like removing it or something and it happened while while i was hunting the other day and again it was this reminder of i was i was hunting with rose we got into a bunch of birds and the 
inconvenience of having to look at my handheld once you are accustomed to to looking it's crazy man it's it's unbelievable it, yeah, i i totally understand yeah yeah it's it's just i don't know it's it's crazy so i, I want to figure out what the solution is if you're if the watch is not connecting to the elf i think yesterday i tried turning the alpha off and turning the alpha back on which is not that big of a deal so that's what i'm going to try if it happens again mm-hmm. and that did work so if anybody out there listening has had that same issue and knows how to force the watch and the alpha to talk to each other i would love to know mm-hmm. about it and that's yeah i'm, I'm just I'm, telling you i guess i'm excited <laughs> no i appreciate that I, that's good to know and i'm excited to get the 300 here this weekend and mess around with it um and that's good to know that my first thought was um i don't know that i've had significant issues but a lot of times i'll just shut the watch off and turn it back on yeah um yeah. that's and, usually a good um, first step with anything um but um i can't think of any specific issues that i have had but anytime you have technology or another another one that i have had that i know that they are working on is like you and i go hunt together mm-hmm. um and your alpha is on before i turn mine on um like my watch is going to click to your alpha Mm. um wow and so um at least and i have an older phoenix and so maybe it is it's um it's tied to that but yeah like if i group hunt and um and i click my watch to to the dog portion um and i'm not super close to my unit or it's off then all of a sudden it'll show me your stuff and i've got it that's where i've also like the big time where I've I've had to sort of like take a step away and shut my watch off and turn it back on with yeah. my handheld right there and it'll it'll be ready as rain. Yeah. But um, yeah, to your point, it is it sounds so silly and if you don't do it, you don't understand. Right. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean that in a in a very honest way that once, particularly in the woods, if you get used to running the watch, yes, it is so much better than the constant pull the handheld off the clip or out of the yeah. pouch and look at it and put it back and put it out and back and forth and back and forth. Whereas you can just cock your wrist and go cool over there. Oh, they're yeah. over there. Oh, they're over there. Um, it's a complete, like they're pricey, the watches there, but they are, that is so worth it. Let alone all the other features with yes. working out and running and hiking and depending on the model you get, right. There's a gajillion uses. But if you're going to do this and you're going to be serious and spend the money on an alpha, adding, even if you just get the, the, the instinct. Sort of more baseline instinct, yeah. yep. it is so worth it. Yep. I would, I would echo that. I, I'm sure I've said it before. It, I would confidently say that if you, especially if you already have the GPS caller and you've never mm-hmm. tried or considered the watch, it is surprisingly a huge value add to that to that Mm -hmm. piece of technology. And there's something too that I think with the handheld and the watch, like the needle, you know, the needle that is pointing to, all right, Rose is on point 50 yards this way. I think with the handheld being lifted up and down, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. like it's the needle has a tendency to jump around a little bit more. And I just, I don't like, I couldn't say this like scientifically, but I don't feel like the watch struggles as much with its, and I don't know if that's because I'm keeping it in more of a stable position, but the arrow in the direction seems to be a little bit more reliable on the watch at times. Mm-hmm. But it's also too that if you're kind of walking towards your dog, 
you can see the yardage changing, right? So like, I'm not Mm -hmm. so much looking at the needle as I am like, all right, general direction. And then as long as that yardage is shrinking, you know, getting less and less, I know I'm headed in the right direction. And the other day when I, I don't know if it was a, if I got to recalibrate my handheld or whatever, but I was having just a heck of a time. Rose was on point and I was going the wrong direction. Like, and this was like, the handheld was just not giving me a consistent reading, which again, it's, you know, I, I'm always impressed at how well the technology does work. So like, I'm not, I, I love my collars and my Garmin stuff and I wouldn't sure. hunt without it at this point, but it's just, um, it's like anything technology, really, you get used to it. And then the minute it goes out or blinks on you, it's like, Whoa, dude, <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not used to this. So we no. get accustomed to that stuff. We do. We're very reliant on it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more with all of that. that. But that's, so going back to the business piece, that's been the fun piece. So pre- previously yeah. we haven't sold watches. And so okay. um, my most recent order, I've added a couple. And so, cause I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. And if you're going to go somewhere and buy the equipment, you know, if you want to get it in one fell swoop or, or yeah. call somebody like me that uses it in a practical application and can walk you through how to use it. So, yep. Yep. Very cool. Well, uglydoghunting.com that's the website folks can go there they know mm-hmm. how to they know how to get in touch with you and and I, that was one thing of we wanted to you know if, they, if people have suggestions or recommendations i know you're all ears for that kind of stuff right now so yeah yeah so you know find me on, find us on instagram and, and just shoot me a note and would love to chat with folks excellent excellent i know mike and i are going to be chatting we're probably going to be working on some uh maybe a little giveaway and that sort of thing we'll be mm-hmm. we'll be kind of ironing out those details in the near future so folks can stay tuned for that but man i appreciate you taking the time as always to join us on the birdshot podcast this has been a lot of fun congrats again on on the new business we'll we'll look forward to following along and and helping you along the way and i'm i can't wait and excited for what you're going to bring to the up and hunting space and community and appreciate it man absolutely nick i've I've always appreciated the chance to sit down and chat with you and um and to share this news it's uh really exciting and now the only thing left to do is go hunting Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You have a great time this weekend up at Pine Ridge. I know you're going to have a blast. We'll keep in touch and go out there and have a great fall, buddy. Absolutely. You too, Nick. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.